In this episode, Kyle joins me to chat all about Roll and Write board games. What's the deal with this genre? Which Roll and Writes are the very best? Are they going out of style or just getting started? Let's find out. My name is Nick Murray, and this is the Bywing Games Podcast. Well, as I mentioned, today we are talking about rolling rights. That's Kyle and I. Kyle, welcome back to the Bywing Games podcast. Happy to be here again. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about maybe what what do we want to talk about next within the board game industry? And you brought up rolling rights as a particular topic, and I thought that would be interesting. Um, but what do you what what are your thoughts? Why why did you bring that up specifically? I brought it up because as if you're a, an avid listener and been following along, then you'll know Nick talked about a surge and purge. And one of the things that he was purging a lot from his collection was rolling rights and, <laughs> and getting rid of a bunch of those. And I don't know, how many did you get rid of? Oh, man, there was Railroad Inc. and Welcome To and On Tour. And it was a lot of Railroad Inc. It was like the whole collection. And pretty soon after I got like a whole bunch of new ones of it um we tried them and uh but yeah then suddenly it was like well we're moving soon i'm moving across the country with my family and uh you know just looking at all the board games it it's nice to have less boxes to have to pack and uh, less things to have to haul and and so unfortunately a lot of those rolling rights were at the at the uh top of the list of things to purge that i was okay with you know, getting some money back on and not having to haul across the country. So well, that for me was kind of the big reason why I thought I was like, we should really have a discussion about this because you kind of seem to be in this phase of like, I'm done with them. And I tend to be a little bit of a follower. I'm not as bad as my son, my son every morning, like for breakfast, I'm like, do you want milk in your cereal? And he looks at his sister, are you having milk in your cereal? And I'm like, come <laughs> decide for yourself. And I sometimes do the same where like, if you, if you say, I just think I'm done with rolling rights because of this and this. I almost like naturally, I'm like, oh, I think you're right. But then like on this one, I had to stop and think. I'm like, but am I done? Like maybe Nick's done and that's okay. But maybe I'm not done yet. Maybe I haven't had my fill. And has the world at large had their fill of rolling rights? Are they are they on their way out? Or are they just kind of still going? Anyway, so just just with all that going on, I, I've thought about it a lot. So I was like, let's have a good discussion about this. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're on similar trajectories, just different parts of the trajectory. But I'm sure that you know, everybody has their own individual tastes. So we're, we're on unique paths as well. Um, yeah. And I think, I think this will be an interesting topic to get into. So do you want to share with our listeners for those who are less familiar with that term roll and write, what that means? Yeah. So roll and write usually is in the form of dice and everyone has their own player sheet. The thing I always think of that most people have played is Yahtzee. I would say the, the grandfather to roll and writes is you roll the dice, you make the decision of how you're going to use the dice, what dice you're keeping. Lots of times you can manipulate the dice and then you're going to use those numbers that you rolled to write something on your individual player sheet. Um, it can be in a lot of different forms where you're all using the same dice that are rolled at the same time or you're rolling individual dice, you're taking dice so the other players can't take them. But the main idea behind the roll and write is you roll the dice, you use those dice to write something on your board. Right. So there's this element of input randomness where 
the the randomness is or the luck is front loaded and then you make decisions based on the the results and when we talk about rolling rights we're also talking about games that don't <laughs> that you don't roll and maybe you don't even write um but usually you write such as uh flip and fill games where instead of rolling dice you're flipping cards and maybe selecting one of those options to fill in on your personal pad or sheet or dry erase board. So there's, there's definitely a, a large world here for us to, to dive into a large genre. And I, I'm kind of thinking or wondering where did this explode? Because Yahtzee has been around for decades, but Roland rights seems to be, that seems to be a more recent development within the past, maybe five years or less. And so I wonder, was there a particular game you think that that really sparked this? Maybe we, you and I weren't heavily into the industry, so it'd be harder for us to, to exactly track. But I, I wonder if there are a couple of games that, that really made this whole wave of popularity take off. I'm really not sure because, yeah, I don't feel like I've been in the hobby for long enough to totally say or at least deep enough in the hobby. Um for me, it was Welcome 2, which funny enough, it doesn't even have the dice. That's one of the flip and fill type games where you have cards. But that's the one for me that kind of sparked this idea of like, oh, I think these are fun. And let's look, let's actively seek out other games that have similar ideas. Yeah, and this is interesting. I have pulled up on Board Game Geek. They're two separate mechanisms, the flip and fill and the roll and write. But I'm just kind of looking at the most popular ones right now. Um, based on ranking and obviously there's there's definitely a, a bias towards more recent games with anything that's hot or highly ranked on board game geek but it seems like the most popular ones go back to about 2018 2018 seems to be the year that a lot of the big ones came out that's when welcome Two was released that's when railroad inc was released that's when metro x came out uh so i don't know why and boomerang is one that i've heard a lot of good things about as well i don't know why they all came out in the same year and these seem to be some of the most popular ones i would have predicted maybe welcome to or railroad inc being the ones that kind of triggered this huge wave uh, especially when you know welcome to hit the top 100 ranked games i believe at, at one point and so anything anything that's really hot publishers are going to pay attention to and try to implement into their future plans but it's weird that a lot of the very popular ones came out in the same year. So it's kind of hard to pick one of them as being the culprit of this, this wave. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, it's one of those things that to me is easier to, I shouldn't say easier to design. I've never tried designing one, but as far as implementing it and play testing it and getting it out quickly, you're looking at a handful of dice and a very easy to print off the computer sheet of paper. So you're not looking at dozens of cards and all this artwork design stuff. Like lots of times they're fairly simple. And it's like, hey, here's a basic layout of a map, fill in numbers. Like that's all there is to it. So it's very like the barrier to entry as far as creating and spreading the game, super low. That's true. That's true. It's very, very easy for publishers to make it. It's very easy for gamers to get into it. And I... I'm uh, leaving out in the dust. That's pretty clever. That's another 2018 one. That's probably the trifecta. Railroad Inc., that's pretty clever. And Welcome To are the three big ones that, in my mind, seem to kick off the whole, the whole wave. 
even if they weren't the the exact reason that it all kicked off but they did sell very well they're very popular uh, before then there are other games but i most of them i haven't really heard of so that seems to be that's where things really got hot um and yeah that's you mentioned uh it's easy for publishers to to make these games and and that seems to be another pattern as well there's a lot of board games that are converted into roll and writes uh cartographers is a spinoff of the you know this this universe that they've made out of role player um a lot of board games such as rajas of the ganges have made a, a roll and write version of their you know their their core idea their core concepts uh, although that's probably my least favorite roll and write i've ever played <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's a good example to share and uh yeah, so it's interesting to see, you know, there's the Castles of Burgundy, the dice game, which that was a 2017 one. So there you go. That one's pretty popular, it seems. I haven't played many or I can't think of any of the traditional board games that have been implemented into Roland Rights. To me, I don't know. It's almost a turnoff to me where I'm like, no, like if I like the game, I want to play the game. I don't necessarily like they're almost such different things, but I say that not having played them. Yeah, you kind of they can I, I agree they can kind of give us off this impression of being watered down maybe from the the version that you love and so yeah it's interesting that that so many publishers have opted to do that but maybe because they can reuse art assets and reuse core mechanisms it i think it's definitely easy from a design perspective to convert a game into a roll and write uh i know me personally i i have designed in the past several years ago a game called the yeti shreddy and uh it's about snowboarding yetis and it's inspired by basically skiing and snowboarding and competing for fresh powder which is something i grew up on uh when the fresh powder would fall down on the mountain and, and everybody would track the forecast during the winter and when you knew it was a good powder day you were trying to take off work or skip school and be one of the first people on the mountain to shred that good stuff because just it feels like you're just gliding on clouds and uh so i made a I made a game out of that and there were some issues and then i was like you know i could probably turn this into a roll and write and i did <laughs> <laughs> and there were still issues with it but um the fact that i took like a massive sprawling board game and converted it into a roll and write and i later converted it into a deck builder <laughs> interestingly enough um but it's still not at a publishable state but it, it's been a fun journey um to kind of explore that from a design perspective as well so as far as the games go, I know you've gotten rid of a lot of them. What is it that drew you into enjoying roll and rights? Or what do you think are the redeeming qualities of roll and rights? Well, I think, you know, 2018 was when I was really getting into board games initially, 2017 as well. But I was hearing about Welcome To, I was hearing about Railroad Inc. I was seeing these reviews from Shut Up and Sit Down and other sites that that were giving very positive ratings for these games and so uh at that time as well we weren't diving into heavy games and so this was right up our alley and i think the the biggest appeal that it's had at, at least at that time was for my wife cammy and i when we were playing board games or or trying to figure out what game we would want to play a, a roll and write is one of the easiest games to just break out, dive into and play it, be done with it in 20, 30 minutes. And then you, you have enough energy for it. You have enough time for it. And so we really 
hit those games. Gonchon Clever, welcome to and Railroad Inc. pretty hard when we first got them. Yeah, I think for me, the um, the player count was a big thing. I think being able to, because like a lot of times, more often than not, I'm playing games with my family and my siblings, and there's eight kids in my family, and most of us are married. And so we'll have times where there's 10 of us, and like, what game can we play that will have 10 of us? And we spend more time deciding on a game than we do playing. And so when we found some of these rolling rights, I was like, this is nice that welcome to 10 of us can play. Like you have to strain your eyes a little to be able to actually see the cards everyone around the table. But, but it was, it was just nice that we could find a game that every single one of us could play. Yeah. I think that's one of the appeals of, or at least that's one of the things they typically advertise, especially welcome to where they say you can play with like one to 99 or something like that. Um, that, you know, you're, you're only limited by the number of writing utensils and mats or sheets that you have and so there is that flexibility and player count i know for me it's it's kind of been interesting to to see that in practice though because there have been a few times where i've broken out welcome to or railroad inc with a larger group whether it was just four players or six players instead of just my wife and i and what i found was it was just kind of a jarring board game experience compared to the other games we would break out with the same people because it's very much non-interactive it's very much a heads down you're thinking through your things and you're just the only time you look up is to see what's rolled next or what's flipped next and then you're back down into your own little puzzle and then so really the only interaction that comes is is i don't know i guess if you're all hoping for the same thing to come out and it doesn't you can all moan and groan together which is fun but uh, otherwise you're just comparing scores at the end and it's like oh you built a better neighborhood than me. Cool. I guess we're done. <laughs> so I do think two things there. Number one, just a little bit of a side note is as far as that interaction, I have found that some games more than others um, on tour is one I'll specifically mention. That is one where I feel like there's like, you're all competing, but there's like such a camaraderie. If, if you roll the dice so, and, and on tour, you're trying to um, get, you have two 10 sided dice and you're trying to get these numbers ranging from zero to 99 i guess and, and get them in an ascending order across the map across the united states um and there's certain games where you play and you haven't rolled any 50s or 60s and everyone has this like map laid out and you're every single person at the table needs 50s or 60s so you're all there together like come on come on <laughs> like whoever's rolling the dice you have to switch every time because you rolled bad let someone else roll like just like that excitement like there's, there's been not a ton of games that i've felt like that like camaraderie in a in a competitive game where you're all hoping for the same thing and i find that a lot of fun i think it's really exciting That's but true. as far as if there's two players or 10 players like you're all still hoping for it but but there's something fun about like hey there's a bunch of us like all like cheering for this number to be rolled where usually in a game you wouldn't all all want the, the exact same thing but so i think that's a lot of fun I actually um, agree with you. On tour is a great example of one that that's, although it has mechanically roughly the same amount of interaction as any other game, maybe less because um, there's not like public objectives, but in, in practice, it does have a lot more interaction. That's the only game that, that we've ever broken out in a party setting. And it was actually a pretty good time. And also the way I was introduced to that game, this is probably one of my favorite roll and write memories was at origins game fair uh boardgametables.com had their own little section their own booth and of course they had a nice fancy table set up it was a poker style or not a poker style like a, a vegas style table with a very deep recessed inside 
where people were gathering around, standing around this table with a, a nice fancy on tour board. The original production, I don't think they have this anymore actually, but the original production had these unfolding massive boards. And uh, then like you said, the chunky dice. And so everybody got a chance to roll these dice and you would just chuck them across the board and they'd <laughs> cascade and bounce off the wall. And like, everybody's like, let's go. And uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's because that game is, is a lot simpler and because the i guess the randomness that everyone's depending on is is much more straightforward like railroad inc you're you're like oh i want i want a t of uh you know a a railroad and a highway with the highway coming off the little part of the t and you welcome to you're like oh i need a 14 with a fence and there's just a lot more that you're that you're wanting it's a lot more complex in that sense they're still mm-hmm. straightforward games but on tour is just like 57 let's go (laughs) and uh, i i agree i think that contributes to the uh the public positive camaraderie so that's a great example yeah i do think of any of the roll and rides i've played on tour as the most party style of them Mm -hmm. the player interaction in that game is the actual like player interaction you would think of in like a competitive board game is completely non-existent like how anyone else does or what numbers they take has absolutely no influence on you aside from the end game scoring but you still have that excitement and i think more than other games where you really are because it's because like you said they're they're big chunky dice and you're just simply saying like one number it's not something like some convoluted thing so i think a lot of camaraderie but yeah as far as the actual player interaction absolutely zero interaction if i could play by myself as well as i could play with you i wouldn't have the same excitement but the end result of like how i did and what i chose to do same thing yeah although there is one game talking about player interaction that seems to maybe be the the one that will take down on tour as the most interactive at least that that i'm familiar with being long shot the dice game uh you've seen a little bit of this as well right i have seen i backed this one on kickstarter oh sweet so yeah I'm, i'm really excited to see how that one goes because that one seems like there is more actual player interaction where what I do adjusts what happens in the game. So it actually influences other players. So it's not like on tour where, Hey, we're all excited about the same thing, but it's more like what I do actually changes something in the game for other players. Yeah. And the core focus of that seems to be not so much your, your personal player mat with your head down, just focused on that and occasionally glancing up at whatever card or dice comes up next, but it's actually horses that are racing around a track and you're betting on them. Right. And so I think, the the way they flip the script on that of where's the focus and and the way you can interact and influence the game for everyone probably will make that quite the interesting game it seems like a roll and write version of camel up almost or or that's exactly what i was thinking when i saw that i was like this looks like camel up but i can like manipulate things different i have my own player board so i I really thought this is the roll and write camel up basically yeah so i can honestly i i did not back it but um it's one that's kind of in the back of my mind, in my back pocket, if I keep hearing good things about it as it gets released beyond Kickstarter, I could definitely see myself picking up a copy and checking it out because I do love a good betting game and this one looks very cool. So, Well, when I get it and you come visit Utah next time, you can try it out. Deal. Um, as far as the planner interaction, I really do feel like this to me is what makes Roland rights if they are going out or if they are less popular. And I don't know if this is totally true for you that if I get tired of them, I think it's going to be because I'm like, I can play this game solo as well as I can with players. So why play it with other people? Like why not play a yeah. game that I'm going to interact with them more? 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's if that's kind of your feeling on it. Yeah, that's honestly what the main thing that's kind of killed them in my collection. Um, I still do have two games I can talk about a little later, but yeah, it's exactly that fact that once you've seen all of the the variety, the different objectives that you can go for, once you've kind of figured out your go-to strategy, regardless of how the cards come out or the dice come out, uh, your your personal way to play the game, there's not really that much that, that invites me back to keep exploring it more. I kind of lose interest and games start to feel samey from one play to the next. And it's because there's there's not that random chaotic ever-changing factor of other players influencing the game and me interacting with them and, and creating these very I guess social or visible or emotional memories with them it's it's very much a game that's played in your head more so than on the table these these rolling rights and flipping fills and so yeah I mean I've played welcome to probably at least a dozen times I played rolling uh railroad ink just as many times and despite me getting the huge really nice production of railroad ink with the two new versions and all these crazy expansions that they look pretty cool. It, it really came down to, you know, we tried several of them and it came down to, man, I feel like I'm playing this because I'm obligated to like, I've backed this, I've paid all the money for it and I need to get through all these expansions, but um, it felt more like an obligation. And after, after playing them in my mind, it was just like, usually I play them again, just with Cammy and I, and in my mind, it's like, man, I could have played Lost Cities instead. We could have played Watergates. We could have played so many other awesome two-player games that are so much more tense and interactive for me. And so it's, it's more of an opportunity cost thing than anything else. Like, why am I playing this out of obligation and not having as much fun as, as a game that's more tense, more interactive, and more, more variety to it from one play to the next? Because I'm, I really am gaming the players as much as the game. I can definitely see that. I I can't think of the last time that I've played any of my rolling rides with just me and my wife, Amanda. Um, I play with family somewhat frequently still. They they really enjoy it. It's one that I can get even my parents to play welcome to occasionally. Um, <laughs> but the, the thing that I do appreciate and with the player interaction is at least in, in some of the games like welcome to, there are some objectives. That, and I really enjoy this about that specific game is hey, there's objectives here. Whoever gets it first gets more points than people who get it later. I feel like lots of games have an objective where it's like, hey, here's the objective. If someone gets it, that objective is gone. I really like that you're not like halfway to the objective. Be like, I just wasted all my time trying to get it and someone else got it before me. Still frustrating because they get more points than you, but you still get some points. So that player interaction I like in the game where there is actually a, you got there first, you got more points. Maybe I should have played my cards differently or written differently on my board. So I could have tried to get that one first and like specialize in something rather than diversify too much and spread myself too thin. So, so there, there is some interaction, I think some more than others. Um, Gonshan Clever does have a little bit of what dice do I take versus leave available for other players. Right. Um, but I do think at large, there's, there is a limited amount of player interaction, generally speaking in dice and the rolling rights. Yeah, I found that uh, the longevity of, of one particular game depends most on how much player interaction there is, at least from my experience, because, you know, the, the more influence that that my opponents and myself can have on the game, 
the, the more different it's going to feel with, with just a single person or with the same group of people as we all develop kind of more skill and experience and, and the meta changes over time. So that's interesting. The other end of it is like, how do you mix it up the game mechanically with different objectives, with different expansions or, or mechanisms that you're mixing in modules, those kinds of things. And, and Roland writes, there's only so much mileage you can get out of, you know, mixing the game up. And I think, you know, games like Super Skill Pinball do this probably the best because not only is it super thematic and I love, I love pinball and this is why this game has survived in my collection thus far, but also the game comes with four different tables and they all have very unique feels to them uh, that build upon the core concept of, of moving around this pinball and moving it to a new spot according to what dice have been rolled. And eventually, you know, you bust and you go through the flippers and you only have three balls total to work with. And so that's why that one has uh, really stood out to me more as, as one of my favorite ones. It's probably not as accessible as the other ones we've, we've mentioned, but uh, I do like the amount of variety that that one provides, despite it being a completely non-interactive game. Yeah, I've I actually recently purchased Ocelona at your recommendation because you've talked about it a handful of times. And I do really like it. I played it with Amanda once and I think I've probably played it six other times all by myself because I found that there isn't really much interaction. That one less than some of the others that I already feel like have no interaction. Um, This one, especially you're just like, there's so many things to look at and keep track of that. It's impossible to look at anyone else's board because you're like, you have a hard time keeping track of everything on your own. That being said, I do really enjoy the game. I actually think it's a ton of fun. This like, watching this pinball drop all around um so fun i I really want to make a fun like stop motion video about super skill pinball because i think it would just be so fun to make and to see like for me it's a very fun exciting game but it's one that i in lots of ways would happily play solo and if i were to play with someone else i would almost just assume watch them play around and then have them watch me play around because i feel like (laughs) like real like there's like yeah like real pinball and like (laughs) it's just like so exciting to see things and when they get a combo you're like oh my gosh this is awesome like it's really yeah. exciting, but it's too hard to interact. There's just too many things to keep track of. Yeah, um, there's re- really no reason to. Although with some of the games, you're pushing your luck, and it's cool to see with some of the, the tables, the pinball tables, and yeah. it's cool to see somebody push their luck and go for broke, you know, and, and either bust or, or oh, yeah. you know, nail it. I was just going to see if you had played. So one I, I had looked up because I was looking up more interactive roll and rights, and the, and the one that I read about and played is Harvest Dice. Have you tried that one? No, I've heard the name, but don't know anything about it. It's a pretty silly light one. It's, I would say, the bonanza of roll and rights where you're you're planting a garden. There's three different types of things that you can plant. And so you have three different colors of dice. And um, it's actually a drafting game. So rather than than the traditional roll and right where you all have the same numbers that you can use, you roll the dice. Each player takes one of the dice in a certain color. So a tomato... Uh, you take a red dice of three and you put that a tomato in your three column. Um, so that one's a, a little more interactive because of what things you take. And, and the really neat thing about that one is whichever dice is left over at the end. So if I built three tomatoes in my garden, tomatoes are worth zero unless at the end of a round, a tomato dice is left out. Then now tomatoes are worth one. So you're really balancing. Do I take this and put it into my garden to have more tomatoes or do I leave the tomato out there as the last dice available because then it's going to be worth a point. And I, I love that dynamic in the game. And you can really influence other players based off of what dice you leave when, when you're the one who gets to take the second to last dice. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think uh, the drafting kind of concept is what makes that's pretty clever. So, plus the combos are just crazy in that game. It's got yeah, no theme, but you can do some s- super satisfying combos, and uh, it's it's cool to uh, be like, oh, do I take this dice and then I put all of these on the platter for you to choose from? Uh, the, you know, and if, if you choose the worst dice, then that you give you're giving your opponent less good options I, I should say and uh but then on the other hand i think raja's the dice charmers also had drafting and i felt like that hurt the game honestly because it, it mm. slowed it down and you know even though you're taking stuff it's it just wasn't that tense for me it just felt like you could you could accomplish the same thing with with multiple different kinds of dice so even if you took that one i was like oh i could take this one and basically do the same thing and so it was interesting to see how that kind of, in my mind, made made the genre even worse for me. <laughs> yeah, I the, the the thing I liked about the harvest dice, if if you as a listener want a interactive roll and write, I I would suggest that one. It's still very quick. You can play it in twenty minutes, I think. Um, so it doesn't slow the game down because it's a very quick game. It's pretty light as far as games or roll and writes even go. But it's, it's just kind of fun and silly. And at the end, you just kind of laugh like, dang it, I shouldn't have taken so many of these. So it's a lot of fun, but there is a lot more interaction than others. Another game that I have not tried, but that kind of catches my eye is Sonara. Are you familiar with this one? No, I think I've heard the name, but nothing beyond that. It is a flick and rights from Pandasaurus Games. And so you you use the box and I think there's some kind of insert on the inside of it that uh, I'm trying to look it up here, but you're flicking these little discs kind of miniature crokinole style into the center of this, this play area and you can knock people's discs around and wherever your discs stop is kind of essentially your dice results or your, the cards that you flip, if it was a roll and right or a flick and right, a flip and right. And I've heard that from, you know, so very wrong about games. They also complain about rolling rights a lot, but they have said that this one is the best of the bunch because it includes dexterity and a little bit more interaction. And so that one definitely has been on my radar to try. I just haven't mustered the the courage to buy it. I haven't ever, I've never been a huge dexterity fan in board games. I love basketball and I love spike ball and I'll, I'll, I'll do a lot of sports. But the thing that's in some ways nice about board games to me is that if someone's not as dexterous dexterous i don't know how to say that, like, that dexterous <laughs> dexterous um if someone doesn't have as many skills and dexterity then then they can still like play a board game and not worried about that and so i i personally have kind of separated those those two things in, in my mind and how i play so that's a good point you know if you play a dexterity game with somebody who just doesn't have that kind of coordination or even if one person just you know it's not their jam that pretty much kills the game for everybody so yeah. it's kind of interesting how they're, they're fragile in that sense but but if it is up your alley then maybe that's the one to go for yeah so nara s-o-n-o-r-a looks pretty cool um as far as the overall things with um Roland Rights, I feel like we've, we've discussed lots of the things. The, the theme the theme in Roland Rights isn't always extremely strong to me. Like they always, I shouldn't say they always have them. Lots of games don't have them. Yahtzee, Gonshon Clever, um, lots of them don't have much of a theme. On Tour has a theme, but it's 
weak at best in my mind yeah. where it's like you're just trying to get numbers in ascending order some of them like welcome to are maybe a little bit better with with how they have set things out but um the theme's not usually overly strong i don't know if there's any that you've played a super scale pinball i will say that one i think does a phenomenal job like to me the theme and the mechanisms very much interact and make a lot of sense if you've ever played pinball like it's like oh, yeah this makes sense yeah that one... most of the others i'm like eh <laughs> super skill pinball is hands down the most thematic roll and write i've ever seen or played yeah. i would say railroad ink is pretty good as well i mean it's it, it doesn't really make sense mechanically like why are we doing this why are we... <laughs> but i mean it, it kind of makes sense you're trying to connect exits to each other and right and you get the you get the vibe of, of building out a network at least and probably more so than than on tour although on tour it does make sense that you're trying to efficiently you know tour through the, the states yeah the i i can see and i feel like you can argue it but at the end of the day when i think about <laughs> it i'm like eh, you're just putting numbers in ascending order <laughs> yeah, totally. so it doesn't feel thematic at all for sure yeah. but i so, love it yeah i would say that's overall a, a weakness of the roll and write genre is is both player interaction and theme it's just at the end of the day like you said it's just something random happens and you write it down on your sheet you're trying to maximize your points and, and that's it but on the other hand as we've mentioned the these are very accessible games they both in player count range and in rules typically not too complex and so they do have a lot of strengths they're typically cheaper than most games so that makes it you know lowers a lot of the barriers to entry and and it is also satisfying in a lot of ways to just be writing things down or drawing things out there's something very tangible about that that you don't get in other board games where you're just moving pieces or, or shifting cards from your hand to the table so that is that is a cool thing to see but if you want if you want a game that's like drawing stuff down on the table i would say treasure island is the way to go <laughs> because you're you're drawn on a full-blown game board with dry erase markers and and that's a very cool unique experience that that kind of takes that satisfying concept of writing or, or creating things and really blows it out of, out of you know proportion yeah the last two things maybe that i can think of that i really do enjoy about roll and writes number one and my sister-in-law that just made this comment to me the other day was as we were playing she's like i just love games like this and she didn't know what they were she just knows that she likes roll and writes but doesn't know what they're called um she's like i love this because we're all playing the game at the same time we're all taking your turns at the same time. You flip a card, you roll the dice, and everyone, in most of them, is taking a turn right then. And so it's not like, oh, when is it going to be my turn next? Most of them, it's always your turn. You have, hey, you roll the dice, everyone writes a number down. You roll the dice, everyone writes a number down. So it's very involved. You're not waiting for 10 minutes between turns and being like, man, can you just make a decision so that I can take my turn? I really appreciate that about the games. I think that's a, a bonus. That's true. Yeah, there's there's pretty much no downtime unless you have somebody who's spending a lot of time trying to figure out what to write down and kind of slowing down the, uh, the next round. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious if you think Roland rights are kind of, they've already peaked and they're on the downfall, or if you think they're still growing in popularity. I, I know for me personally, they're definitely on the downfall, but that may not be the way the industry is going. Yeah, I can't decide. I think in lots of ways, I think many people will come to the same conclusion that you have. And I think I'll probably find myself there at some point. I think right now I find, I think 
there will be con- there will continue to be a lot of them made because like we've talked about you can say hey i already have this game let's turn it into a roll and write why not <laughs> and i think there's there's going to be some fun things about that i think i'll still continue to be like oh yeah i'll give that a try and maybe get two or three plays out of it but be done where maybe a, a base game like a Rahas or the Ganges or something like I, I could play that game 10 times and still feel good about it where the roll and right I may be more prone to say yeah let's just play it twice yeah that was kind of fun that they did this and be done with it so so I think they'll continue to be a lot of roll and rights but I I kind of agree with you where I to me the peak is here or just barely passed and I think we're going to see a little bit of a downturn on how excited people are about them just because it's it's not as new or fresh yeah, I think the wave of roll and write popularity is is part of a larger wave of a growing industry. And board games back when it was Euros versus Ameritrash, and those weren't as blended together. You had the the Euros that were more cutthroat and interactive, such as Reiner Kinesia games, uh Wolfgang Kramer games, such as El Grande, games that were very much in your face. And the Ameritrash, you know, they were kind of more thematic, but in your face as well, games like Risk and and so on. And it seems like the industry has has very much trended towards games that are are less interactive and more more kind <laughs> to its players and to each other. You know, you look at publishers like Stonemeyer Games, you look at, you know, all of these, all of these games that are just so popular nowadays. Games like uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak, if we're looking at the, the hotness list right now. Um, Terraforming Mars, there's a little bit of meanness there. Isle of Cats. There are tons of games out there that are very non-confrontational. And I think you're, you're only going to grow your potential audience by by growing this, this genre of non-confrontational games. Because there are people... And Cammy would probably categorize herself as one of these people where she, she doesn't particularly like games that are super in your face confrontational because um, it's hard to separate, you know, your personal feelings from, uh, you know, games sometimes. And uh, if you come away from a game where people just stomped on you or you were, you were heavily invested in it and somebody that, you know, a friend or a family member just came and wrecked you, it's hard to separate the, uh, you know, your feelings towards them and, you know, thinking like, what do they think about or feel about me from just the way they treated you within the game and within that kind of safe play area. And so these games that kind of avoid that type of confrontation simply mean that more people can come in and, and come away from it with, I guess, less of these negative experiences. So yeah, to me, that's, that's part of the reason why it's so big, but it's also, the type of game that I personally don't enjoy as much. Uh, if you ask anybody that I play games with on a regular basis, what kind of gamer I am, they, they would say I'm super cutthroat and I just love to get nasty. And, and uh, it puts a target on my back too, but I, I have a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> with it. You know, some of my favorite games, I just get curb stomped sometimes, whether it's just because I taught it to them. And so I'm the one who knows the most going in or because I won it last time and, and was ruthless. And so I've, I have it coming back to me. To me, that's that's super fun. And so that's also why these these roll and write style flip and fill style games just don't don't quite satisfy the the hunger I have for for being mean within a safe and uh, acceptable space. Yeah, I'd never really considered that. But I do think 
I think a lot of what you said is true. I think right now the the culture of the world in general, it's a lot less rub dirt in it or you're wrong. It's a lot more find your own truth and do your own thing and don't step on anyone's feelings. And, and so I, I do think there is some value to that idea that I think a lot more gamers will enjoy that because there is less player interaction, which means there's a lot less ruthlessness. Mm-hmm. And more and more, I, I do find myself, and I've even told my wife, I said, I love going to board game conventions because I can play with people that I don't know. And I'm not worried about like, oh, if I do this, and they're going to be like, you always do this to me. Just last week, you didn't do the dishes. It's like, <laughs> it's just like, I can like play the game and I can make my best move. And the other player might be frustrated, but it's frustrating in the way of like, you did this, but I know it was your best move rather than you did this and you're always a jerk to me and you're sleeping on the couch tonight. Um, so I, I think... And I think it's possible to, to play with players around you and have that. And I, I'm working towards that myself where I don't get as frustrated at people when they're mean to me because my poor little feelings get hurt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I actually hadn't thought of that before, but I, you're right. Uh, for the for the faint of heart, maybe a roll and write is a better type of game. Definitely depends on your environment. You know, I, I've been able to find a group of people who just love getting nasty and... Uh, we're, we all understand at the end of the day, it's just, it's just for the fun of the game. And they're, they're all really nice, uh, generous, kind people in, in every interaction I've had with them. But when, when we're around the table and the game comes out, the gloves come off and it's, it's so fun. And uh, that's, that's really one of the things that's made board games. One of my absolute favorite hobbies is, is those types of interactions where, where we, we hold no punches against each other and, and uh, let's see what happens. And that's why Cole Worley and, and Reiner Kinesia and games like that, that are so interactive have become some of my favorites. And that's just kind of the, the, the fulfillment that I look for in gaming. So that's why, I don't know. That's why Rowan Wrights have kind of gotten the boot more recently, but we still keep them coming in. And I think um, one last thing that would be interesting to, to talk about for a moment is maybe, what what is one roll and write game that's upcoming or that's already out there that you are most tempted to purchase or to play? We've mentioned um, Long Shot the Dice game, and I am really excited for that one. And I've, I've looked that one up on Kickstarter. I am excited. One that right now that I hadn't played until about a month ago probably was Gonshon Clever, or that's pretty clever. Um, because nice. I heard a lot about it and I just kept thinking like, oh, I need to, I need to play, I need to try it. And finally, I just, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this. I just printed off the game sheet online and just tried <laughs> it out. And, and not that I, I, I want to go support the game and actually purchase it, but, um, but I just played that twice with my wife and then with my wife and brother. And I was like, this is a lot of fun. It's like all the combo rific things that you can do. Like, it's yeah. just, it's exciting. Like it is an exciting game. And even though there isn't a ton of interaction, like I want to play that again because I love seeing like when the combos coming, you're just like, I did this and then this and then this. And it's just like, it's so exciting. Totally. I don't know what it is about that game. It's the ugliest game in my collection. <laughs> and it's it's the only other roller and right besides uh, Super Scope Pinball that I haven't gotten rid of. And I don't know exactly why that is, but I, I think you're right. I think it's the, the huge combos that you can do. Plus the interesting, like when I'm taking this die, that's a five or a six. That means I'm giving up all these other dice that I could re-roll next and and letting you have them and this one's a four and that's just way too good for me to give to you and uh just that that combo is is pretty satisfying so i don't know it's weird that i still have that one but that's a that's a good pick i know there's an app for it too if if that 
maybe fits your, your that's lifestyle what I heard better. there was and I need to see I don't know if you can you lots of times I have like a code or something you can share with someone else and so you can play at the same time or something and anyway because I, I still like playing it with other people rather mm-hmm. than just like seeing how good I can do like I, yeah. I really like the interaction with others so yeah. we'll see I'll probably just go out and buy it sometime and keep yeah. playing it but yeah you're right like I look at the game I'm like man like it almost like burns my eyes why is this so (laughs) ugly like it's just a bunch of numbers on a board but i'm like there's like there's no theme like they didn't even like try like hey we're in space and we're doing this it's just like nope here's some numbers make some combos yeah that's definitely awesome (laughs) one that's just printing money for him because the the production you know they just invested so little in it and and it's nice to strike gold like that but uh it'd be nice to have a prettier version of it (laughs) thematic but actually along those lines I, I would say long shot would probably be the the one I'm most interested in trying. But if not that one, then despite our, our entire conversation, Lost Cities Roll and Rights from <laughs> Reiner Knizia. Um, now, Lost Cities is actually a fairly pretty game, I, I would say. I think it's illustrated by Vincent Dutrait, and he's he's done tons of games. And uh, so, yeah, it's a nice looking card game very colorful and um, somewhat thematic in the sense that you're, you're going on these expeditions. And when you decide like, Oh, we're going to go on this expedition. Now we're going to start playing. I'm going to start playing these cards on my side. Then you've made that investment and you immediately lose 20 points. And now you're trying to, you know, I guess prove to yourself why that was worthwhile and, and make a profit off the investment of the expedition. But anyways, the roll and write, if you, if you look this up on board game geek, it's it's got a similar vibe to that's pretty clever this it's a very very bland board it's it's just like beige and just easter easter egg colors just a, a light pale purple and blue and green with numbers on it and that's literally all that's on these boards there's no fancy neighborhood with a with kind of a 1960s real estate vibe like in welcome to there's no colorful zesty railroad ink illustrations going across anything it's it's definitely not the prettiest game and but there are some dice with some colorful triangles and circles on them really there's there's no reason when you look at it to be like oh this is gonna be a good game except for the fact that it has Reiner Kinesia's name on the box and despite me you know continually being like I don't like low interaction games I don't like flipping right you know bingo style games he proved me wrong with my city and I do like lost cities, the card game. And I think this rolling right could be, could be pretty good. I mean, maybe it's not as good as lost cities, the card game itself, but I'm sure it's got some nice juicy tension in it. And, and that's really one of the things that, that I do love about a good rolling right is the tension it provides of decisions and pressing your luck, those kinds of things. So this one, it's only like 10 bucks maybe off of certain retailer websites so I, I think I might, you know, on a weekday, pick this one up and check it out and hopefully have a good time with it. So that's my pick. Nice. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard about that one. I've played Lost Cities, but haven't heard much about the roll and write or dice version of it. So <laughs> yeah, very we'll nice. See. Well, I think this has been a fruitful episode for those of you who are interested in roll and rights. Hopefully you, you heard some games that that caught your interest uh what what are your top recommendations for people kyle for people who are less familiar with this genre um i would say 
on tour, I will give a few recommendations depending on, on what you like, but on tour, if you're more of like a, a party excited type of game, um, super skilled pinball, if you're all about the theme and like really want like, Hey, like I just want like a really thematic, I don't care about player interaction. Um, number, my number one recommendation would probably be welcome to that for me was one of my first and still, I think one of the best, a little bit of theme, but I just feel like there's mild player interaction. There's some exciting things that you can do in the game. And I think it's a lot of fun. Definitely. Well, there you have it for those who are interested. There's a new super skill pinball game coming out. It's actually going to be, well, actually we are recording this in the past, but I probably already talked about it. Um, so there's some interesting new tables that they have coming out for that. So if you've already played a bunch of these rolling rights that we've talked about, that's one to look into. Maybe Lost City's rolling right is one to look into and long shot. The dice game is another one to check out uh, as far as upcoming ones. And uh, yeah, that's all we have for you now. Kyle, thanks for joining. Yeah, very happy to be here. It's actually a really good discussion. I feel like I had some good thoughts. I'm not going to be crazy like you and go purge all of them, but uh, it makes me reconsider <laughs> how or when and if I am playing them out of obligation or out of actual enjoyment. Yeah, that's the ever-burning question with, with every game in your collection. Is, yep. is am I doing this because I feel like I need to or because I really want to? <laughs> <laughs> One that we may never answer. But uh, for now, that is all we have here at Bitewing Games. And we'll see you and talk to you next time. We won't see you. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll join again next time. <laughs> Until next time.